Thanks for joining us and supporting Vikido Fitness. We ask for your continued support by becoming an It's All About Health and Fitness premium member. Go to www.vikidofitness.com forward slash join. Again, that's www.vikidofitness.com forward slash join and register for a $6 monthly subscription. And remember, keep listening, sharing, and checking us out. The views and opinions expressed are for general informational purposes only. Consult with your physician or medical health care provider for medical advice, diagnosis, and or treatment. Today, we discuss research articles and hot topics we think are worth looking at and talking about. Our topic today is, what's new? Hot Topics number 49. Research shows that calorie restriction lead to weight loss, lower cholesterol, and less inflammation. Whether it extends lifespan and wards off disease long-term remains unproven. Why are these medical equipment so tough to sterilize? Duodenin scopes have sickened hundreds of patients in hospital outbreaks. Experts are demanding that these devices be redesigned or taken off the market. What do Amazon fires mean for human health? All this and more on It's All About Health and Fitness. Welcome to It's All About Health and Fitness with Dr. Vicki Hayward Doe and Dr. Virginia Banks Bright. This program is brought to you by Vicki Doe Fitness, a multimedia health and wellness forum. Now, here's your host, Vicki Doe and D. Banks Bright. I'm Dr. Vicki Hayward Doe, and with me is the one and only. Dr. Virginia D. Banks Bright. Hi, Vicki. It's been a minute. <laughs> I know. You've been going all I over guess. the world and I, things. It was fun. Vacay. Yeah, your vacation. Not staycay, but vacay. Yeah, yeah you didn't staycay this no, time. I didn't staycay. I, I, you were out on the water and things. Got outside my comfort zone. Well, that's good. That was one and done. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it was one uh, and done. I figured that. I can't one wait. And <laughs> one and done. I saw Adam at Station Square, uh-huh. and we were looking at your pictures uh-huh. and everything, and we were like, we can't wait till she comes back on the podcast so we can hear the backstory. One and done. <laughs> One and done. Yeah. But it looked lovely. Well, it, for the five minutes or the six hours that it was out there, that's it. One and done. Yeah. Yeah. But hey, at least you could say that you were I did out. It, that I did it. On the water. I was out on the water six hours. Yeah, you know, waiting for stuff. Waiting for, for all the, I did was jerk my arm because we certainly didn't catch that many fish. Okay. But I did, one of the good things was that I did prove to myself that my motion sickness problem has kind of okay. gotten up thousand percent better okay that's awesome because yeah, after the all the rocking and rolling and stuff out on the but i just kept waiting for jaws to jump out the water and that <laughs> boat. you know one and done one and done I, i'm telling you okay more power to you because i definitely would not feel comfortable it was a little boat and you're out there yeah the i'm water, not feeling comfortable and there's no other Mm-mm. boats around Mm-mm. and you're just relying on this guy that looked like the old man in the sea <laughs> and i'm thinking what if he has a heart attack out oh. here oh i won't even know how to call mayday Mm. And the water got deeper. The deeper you got, the water mm-hmm. got up around the sides, and then it was coming over the side. And he wasn't worried or nothing. He's just taking off, and this, he's got radar and all this stuff. And then we went and got into a fog. Yeah, that's where dangerous. you look up, and then there's a boat like right Ooh. there, and then there's another boat like right there. And I said, you know, hmm, this is not how I imagine my life ending. <laughs> <laughs> the first thing no. that, that Nate said, I said, um, have you seen Doctor D? He said, no, I haven't seen her yet, but at least we know that she got back <laughs> safely. <laughs> that was important. So he was worried about yeah, you out there in that water. It was more than a notion. I, mm. I don't. I don't need to do that ever again. D, we are glad that you are back <laughs> safe and sound. I am too. <laughs> out of the water. I am too. We started going back and I saw land. I'm like, hey, <laughs> let me get the heck off this boat. <laughs> 
Bye. Bye, Felicia. Bye, Felicia. <laughs> I didn't look back at all. That is uh-uh, so funny. No. Mm-mm, mm-mm. Well, we definitely can't wait to hear yeah, about one that. And done, one and done. No. Well, today we talk about research articles and hot topics that we think are worth looking at and talking about. And our topic today is what's new? Hot topics number 49. Make sure, folks, make sure you go and sign up for our newsletters and updates because then you can find out all the things that we are doing here at Vicky Doe Fitness. So go to our website, www.vickydofitness.com and sign up and also invite others to sign up for our newsletter. You have health tips, things that we think are important to look at and to get involved with. Yes, we haven't talked about it for a while, about our launching of our online health and fitness programs, but it's coming, guys, and we're getting all the kinks <laughs> out, because you know there's always kinks with technology, yes, yes. but we're getting all the kinks out, so we are almost there, so hold your fingers tight, it's going to be happening soon, and so you'll know about all this if you, you know, stay on our newsletter and go sign up so you can know when and be the first to know when we do these exciting things and as always guys thank you thank you thank you for your support and it's dark outside and school is officially started school started oh i know but it seemed like you said it seemed like the summer i mean i can't it flew by and you know then we had all these torrential rain days and weekends i mean we did what happened to just rain you know like mm. rain and flowers and no, stuff no we have hurricane winds and i came back home and there were flower pots all over the yard i and know chairs all over the yard and, and yeah. trees split in the back yeah just recently oh you know i had goodness. all my beautiful flowers yeah. we had a big branch yeah that came and just uh, messed up the yard yes. in the back we had yes. to get it cut we had a big tree that split down the middle. yes mm-hmm. so that means the wind was powerful yeah, so these those days of just having little rains and flowers though, it, we they come this is global warming yes it is climate change folks it's climate change look we're scientists up in right. here we are. and researchers <laughs> up in here we are look don't this be glo- bamboozled don't get it twisted that's don't it get it twisted no this is global warming that's it climate change that's right yeah but anyway, yes, school has started. Yeah. Northeast Ohio. Like we said, we better get outside. But actually, this is the best time since it's trying to cool off yeah, a little bit. a little bit. This yeah. is the best time to go running. Yeah, and, it is. And yeah. do your walking outside. Yeah, it is. You it know? Is. It is. We are going to have a few hot and humid days ahead a mm-hmm. little bit. Mm-hmm. But yeah, fall is just around the corner. Yeah, just around the corner. Man, I have so much to do. But you know, I am grateful that I have so much to do well yeah and it's important stuff to do right you know you do a little good in the neighborhood yourself I try to Dr. Doe more than but you know people uh, come on folk my community come on now Hey, we'll do a little chastising later on about that Popeyes y'all doing. Oh, about I heard that the chicken line was sandwich. like an hour. Look, we going to talk about that, folks. We going to talk I about heard it. the line was like an hour. Most especially since I just got through giving the talk about hypertension, exercise and hypertension. I don't get it. Okay, now. So we going to talk about that because we love you. We love you, people. We love you. I was looking at a mime. Somebody (laughs) showed me a mime on Facebook where this guy had had his first taste of Popeye. And he was saying, man, that pickle tastes like chicken. (laughs) My lips taste like chicken. My tongue started to taste like chicken. chicken. (laughs) Everything was tasting like like chicken. chicken. Oh, my God. (laughs) Yeah. So how was your weekend, so, your vacay? Yeah, so vacay was great. I went to, first stop was New York City and saw To Kill a Mockingbird with Jeff Daniels oh, and Latanya Richardson. How it was, was that? fabulous. I think I saw a masterpiece. Goodness. It was written and directed by, well, we know Harper Lee wrote the, the story, uh-huh. but the play, play and stuff yeah. was written by, and you know, produced by um, Aaron Sorkin, who was from Westworld back in the day. Okay. And um, a lot of other television things. And it was just, it was brilliantly done. Oh. I mean, wow. how long is it playing? Until? Um, 
there's no stop date. The, the key thing is how long will Jeff Daniels and Latanya Richardson be in? And I, okay, saw, okay. I saw Samuel L. the other day on television on Kelly Ripa and <laughs> Ryan. Latanya will probably be on there longer than Jeff Daniels. And I was, because he's been there since the show opened in the springtime. Okay. So I was very fortunate. Oh, you know, yes. a lot of times these guys, they yes. only stay for the beginning. Yes. And then they start having substitutes. So I yes, was fortunate so I enough gotta, to see Jeff Daniels and Latanya. Oh you will see a masterpiece. Yeah, I got to make a trip there. It was excellent. So then the other thing that I saw, you mm-hmm. went to a Yankees game and went to Yankee Stadium. So okay. that was fun. Yeah. Then went to, we were talking about that and laughing about that. Totally out of my comfort zone. Went to this past Monday, Monday, a week ago. Mm-hmm. Deep sea fishing in Hyannis, off of Hyannis, Massachusetts. Okay. Okay. And um, I was telling you, it was a rather small boat. There was just two of us and the captain. And we were out for six hours and caught three fish. Okay. It was a very expensive endeavor to catch three fish, mm-hmm. but that's okay. Mm-hmm. And then mostly you just sit there and you're just jerking your line trying to catch fish. Now, technology is good because he did have fish finders. Okay. But they weren't biting. They weren't biting. They were not biting. So mm. he would go to areas and there were supposed to be fish. And also I learned, mm-hmm. you know, where you see seagulls, there's yes. also fish. Oh, okay. So I learned a lot. And and the other good thing was that I mm-hmm. didn't really have, I took all this medicine and stuff for seasickness. And okay. I didn't do, I didn't get any at all, really. I took, I had some of those bands. You can buy those bands, those pressure bands. Ah. And then I took some ginger, okay, some fresh right, ginger. Right, right. I didn't have any problems at all. But like I told you, one and done. Because <laughs> all I kept thinking about was a great big giant shark leaping out of there. I do. And that famous line in, in Jaws that said, you need a bigger boat if you're going after a shark. Big time. And I'm like, they just saw a shark mm-hmm. three weeks ago up in Provincetown. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and because so, of the whole climate change climate change they're coming places and that was another reason he was saying that Mm -hmm. the fish were not Mm -hmm. conglomerating in that area because the waters were warmer Mm -hmm. and so the fish are going to colder waters yeah so you got to go farther out and i was like well that's okay you don't have to go farther out. <laughs> this is good. Six hours is fine. I'm good. So, yeah, I did that. And then I um, went to Boston okay. to see a game in Fenway Park, which is supposed to be one of the iconic oh, yes. baseball. Big time. Big time. Saw that. And then went to visit my sister who had rented a house on Martha's Vineyard. That's always fun. Mm-hmm. Uh, Congresswoman Barbara Lee I was there. That. Yeah, I saw that. I saw you was with there. a picture with mm-hmm. her. So she was talking politics and stuff. And that was, you know, pretty much it. Had just had a world, was a whirlwind. And then Sunday... Mm-hmm. Very important. I participated in the Panerathon. Yes. And they raised, I'm told, and that was right here. $25,000. Okay, right here in, right our, here in our own Youngstown, neighborhood. Right? Yes. Uh, produced by Panera Bread, called mm-hmm. the Panerathon. Mm-hmm. It was my first time doing any kind of running, walking. I didn't run because of my back situation, but yes. I walked. You did And walk. I thought okay. I did pretty good. I did 16, 16 minute mile. Two okay. miles, and that was just good enough. They had and you 8, didn't 000, have pain. No pain. They had 8,000 people there. Um, That's a lot. And groups represented, you know, they had teams and they had individuals I know. and stuff. We so got to represent you gotta do next, it next year. year. Yes. Reverend Macklin was there with a the group. Okay. They do had all their year. little represent Yeah, yeah. The Vicky Vicky Fitness. Right. Yeah. And they all had their own little t shirts. Yes. Let's in do addition that. to the t shirts that they give you, but the teams all mm-hmm. had their own t shirts for mm-hmm. walking and running. Most people walked. Mm-hmm. President Trestle was there. I saw mm-hmm. him mm-hmm. and his wife and the mayor and mm-hmm. Domain Kitchen. You remember we yes. had him on our show? Yes. He was there. So it was it was action packed and then you have all that you have food and you have, you know, people doing all their demonstrations and stuff. So it's a bigger version of the wellness walk that okay. Reverend Macklin did, but with okay. eight thousand people. Okay. So that was my week. So you had a very I did very did you do packed. some self care? Um I didn't do any because we were going so much. Uh-huh. I, the only thing I did self care was I ate lobster every day. <laughs> <laughs> that was my self care. Some seafood. Some seafood. Yeah, because yeah. sometimes yeah. I like when I go to those vacay. We like mm-hmm. to try to do a trail mm-hmm. or or do the um, spa. Oh yeah. yeah, but you 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 were no, out there well, meditating well, on the water, I, I, ex- meditating that I would get the hell out of there, <laughs> and that we would turn around and see land <laughs> that was the meditating that i was that doing that has to be because um, like i said i looked out there and when you're in that ocean and there's nothing and you're in a small boat and that's all you see in and ocean. all you see is nothing but the atlantic ocean it's, it's something it's it's deep and then we like i told you we hit fog 
which is your, and you know, they got all this radar and stuff like that. And I'm like, you know, mm. nothing works better than my eyes. I don't care about radar, schmadar. And I couldn't see a boat in front of me or nothing. And all of a sudden you look up and there's a boat. You know, you look on the other side because of the fog and there's a boat. Oh, I know another fun thing that mm -hmm. um, I did went whale watching. Okay. Up in Provincetown. Now that's fun. That was fun. That was really fun. And we saw some whales. Oh. It was a boat full of people and it was fun. And whales, there were these big humpback whales and they did perform. So that was worth it. Yeah. And then also mm -hmm. got to visit Provincetown. Provincetown is like mm -hmm. no other city. Okay. It's up at the tip of the Cape. Um, okay. Historically, it has been a town that you know caters very well to the lgbt population oh really okay um, yeah and so you know there were a lot of um lgbt individuals there but it was also full of young people fun great restaurants oh, just that's interesting yeah yes. a lot of art galleries yeah i must have gone in 20 art galleries so it's very artsy up very there, huh? artsy like oh, wow. no other city that i can think of in the mm. united states so yeah so that was it everybody should go up to provincetown one yeah. Yes, yes. Great. In the summer, mm -hmm. it's probably really cold in the yeah. in the winter. Because I'm sure it, was, like, it wasn't really, really hot. Mm -mm, mm -mm. Not at all. And mm -hmm. it's a walking city. Yeah. Not many cars, mm -hmm. do you see? It's all walking. So, you know, in terms of self-help, I did a lot of walking. Right. Right. A lot, a lot of walking. But that's that's so. what usually happens when yeah. you go on those yeah. vacations because yeah. you want to see stuff. Yeah. So I don't think I can. I came back with probably a few negative pounds because I didn't eat a lot mm -hmm. and did a lot of walking. You know, but still, like we talk about on the, uh, vacations, you might deviate a little bit, but you're always mindful of getting Ooh, back yes. on track because yes. you can't really get off track. Mm -mm. too long mm -mm. you know so you don't mm -hmm. want to come back and have derailed everything that you did before you went on the vacation right right so. all of that to say yeah. you know that's why we always encourage people to be in that mindfulness yes. and mindful presence right about your health and wellness yeah. all, all the, the time. time all the time all the time all the time because then you're yeah. like policing all yourself all the time right all the time because yeah. you know there are all kinds of distractions and things to and lure you to eat yeah. the wrong food or this mm -hmm. and you kind of let your guard down and that's when you start derailing all the good that you've done right so right. yeah oh yes yeah. D. so yeah, yeah like i will say that brother nate dr nate <laughs> he was worried about you i told you i was looking for jaws to jump out of that water any second now you know i said this is not how i plan and you look around and there's no land yeah, anywhere no, no i can't do it you know that's no why i don't land. even do most people say, well, why don't you do the cruises and stuff like that? I never I'm wanted to do those either. I'm, no, I, I will never fly to do those either. all over the ocean. Right. I'll be on top of the ocean right. flying. It's the most helpless feeling but that I, I have ever had. But I ain't trying to be uh -uh. sitting in there. You will never be found. Mm -mm. They will never find any parts mm. of you ever. Mm. And you're looking around and there's no land. Mm. None. So it was six hours, three hours out and three hours back. One and done. <laughs> okay. Thank you very much. <laughs> Next, right? Next. <laughs> on land. There you go. On land. So what is going on this week? Everything, Vicky. Yes, everything. Yes. Everything. We uh I thought sadly, you would want to talk about yes, this because you yes. Into, yes. sadly Isabel Toledo died. Those of you that remember First Lady Michelle Obama's mm -hmm. inauguration outfit, it was a beautiful lemon yellow. I think yes. there was a term that she put to it, a yellow coat and dress that matched as she walked beautiful. down the street during the inauguration and Isabel Toledo, the Cuban American designer who was revered by other designers for ability to combine precise geometric construction with extreme grace, but who was known to most of the public as the creator of the dress for Michelle Obama, who wore this in the 2009 inaugural parade, died Monday of breast cancer. She was 59, said her husband, wow. artist Ruben Toledo. Mm. And I know that what I wore to my husband's first inauguration would go down in history. Mrs. Obama wrote in an email. So I wanted something that would not only live up to the moment, but would also stand up to the freezing cold in January. The interesting thing about Isabel Toledo is that uh -huh. she never really fell for the glitz and the glamour of a designer. You know, yes. there wasn't a lot of logo things. 
things. I think she, you know, she did a lot of designing, I think, and I've got to go find them now. Mm-hmm. For MAC makeup, she and her husband did a limited edition okay. MAC design, you know, like a compact. Okay. They did some, some things some of the like colors, that. Colors stuff, yeah. and stuff like okay. the mascara and stuff so, like okay, that. Okay. She was the recipient of the National Design Award from the Copper Hewitt Museum in 2005 and was nominated for a Tony for the costumes for the musical After Midnight in 2014. Mm-hmm. And she twice appeared on an international best dressed list. She went to the Fashion Institute of Technology and then went to Parsons School. So she was extremely well trained. And she mm. and her husband, Mr. Toledo, married in 1984 and were almost never apart. They were inseparable. Didn't she, she meet him in, in high school? Yes. They were yes. they were friends from high school. And oh. where I put on Facebook, I met them okay. at the Kent School. Yes. At the Kent School of Design. Yes. And it was the same year that she had designed the inauguration okay. outfit. Okay. So let's say the inauguration was in January. And I met Ruben Toledo and uh, Isabel at a an event because, you know, Kent always would bring Big in time. designers. Big time. Well, the thing was, she had just had just come out with Michelle Obama's okay. and she had made this commitment to come to this event. Yeah, at right. Camp. Kent, yes. So everybody was kind of nervous that she had she, every right to probably say, I can't make it. But she they showed up. Yes. They showed up. And I was there and, you know, went over to them and they were very nice. And I was mm-hmm. wearing this yellow mm-hmm. outfit from BB and Ruben Toledo was saying how much he liked the color because it was a yellow kind of color like Michelle's uh-huh. outfit. And she used to do some designing for the, the BB company or he did. Okay. So, but yeah, so very sad breast, another breast cancer. That's what I was thinking. I was like, Another man. breast cancer victim, breast very, cancer. very young, you know, yes. 59. As I was saying on Facebook the other day when I was doing the Panerathon, it's one out of eight, but you know it to me it seems like sometimes it's one out of seven. I know. And I think every time every woman in this country gets a mammogram, yes. it's like Russian roulette. I know. When is it my turn? I know. When is it gonna be my turn? So I'm glad that they were able to here's the the irony. They've made great strides in mm-hmm. breast cancer, but there's still people that are dying. Still people dying. Yeah, there's still and you people see, dying. You do have survivors. Yeah, you do have a lot of survivors and we've come a very long way. My mom's a survivor. You know, she mm-hmm. was diagnosed in 1984 and she's 101 and a half, soon to be 102. So, you know, there are people that survive, but there are also the, the, those young women who have triple negative disease who don't do as well. Mm-hmm. I don't know whether she had triple negative or not, but there's still death with breast cancer. I know. So and rest in peace. Rest, rest in, in peace, peace, though. Yeah. But rest what's so peace. cool is, and, and I always think about, you know, and that's why I try to do the things that I do. You know, all of us are going to pass away. We're going to die. But it's what our legacy. Exactly. That we leave. Exactly. And so she she has a great legacy. Lasting legacy. Yes. Absolutely. Yes. Absolutely. Well, our next thing. <laughs> hey. <laughs> You know, we always talk about this opioid crisis. It's very interesting to see that people are making these folks go to trial. They are. Accountable. Yeah. Making them accountable like they did the cigarette industry. Yes, they did. They got away with that stuff for years. I know because I'm from Winston-Salem where R.J. Reynolds, that was the headquarters. You know, and they knew all that stuff about tobacco killing people and didn't do anything about it. Well, the Oklahoma judge rules against J&J in opioid trial, and the drug maker ordered to pay $572 million in damages. That's a bite out of crime. <laughs> <laughs> Is that a bite out of crime? <laughs> yep. That's a really yep. that's yep. a lot. That's a bite out of crime. That's a lot. Yeah. But of course the company they, they vowed to appeal. Sure. And it says an Oklahoma judge has ruled that Johnson and Johnson helped fuel the state's opioid epidemic, ordering the company to pay five hundred and seventy two million. But they wanted, and this was sought by state officials, that was far less because they wanted seventeen billion. Right. Right. 17 billion. Right, right, right. But it says, and it says this is the first time a drug maker has been on trial Mm -hmm. for its role in the nation's opioid crisis. The Cleveland County District Judge Thad Balkman said that the opioid addiction has ravaged the state of Oklahoma and must be abated immediately. 
And so this was a week's long trial. It began on May 28th and was live streamed. And the state attorney, General Mike Hunter, argued that Johnson and Johnson and its subsidiary Janssen created a public nuisance by aggressively marketing its opioid painkillers while downplaying the risk of addiction. I think this is important because you have always come on the show talking about how that these big pharma, they used to go to the to the doctors because, you know, shoot, we got a problem here in Ohio yeah, as well. Right. They would go to the doctors and try to get these doctors to order these opioids yeah. for painkillers, yeah. even though they knew that it was highly addictive. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. Yep. Isn't that a shame? Yep. It's a shame. All about money. It's all about money. As we have said, who's benefiting? Who's benefiting? So now they're making them they're making them accountable. Johnson and Johnson, they said that they plan to appeal the judgment. The Johnson and Johnson General Counsel Michael Orman said in a statement, Jansen did not cause the opioid crisis in Oklahoma, and neither the facts nor the law support this outcome. Now, of course, he's going to say that. Right. Now, Oklahoma previously reached settlements with two other drug makers that is blamed for the state's opioid crisis, mm-hmm. and that's the Purdue Pharma. They will pay $270 million, mm-hmm. and then Teva is on the hook for $85 million. Mm-hmm. So the case is regarded as a bellwether for the nearly 2,000. Look, these are the, the lawsuits, mm-hmm. 2,000 yeah. of them. Right. And, and they're be gonna, consolidated. Yes, they're mm-hmm. going to be consolidated lawsuits set to be heard by a federal judge in Ohio wow. in October. Wow. Yeah, well, they're going to have to. They're going to have to pay. I mean, you know, this is not an unusual story for these companies. You know, to know that, that these things happen, but it's all about who's benefiting, who's benefiting, and all that money they were making from. And you know, they knew that this stuff was addicting. And I mean, you know, I, I've been in medicine now a long time, and I this opioid crisis is something that I I have not seen. I mean, I, there was a the drug crisis, the heroin crisis back in the 70s when I was doing my training in Cleveland. And, you know, there were pockets of heroin use, Detroit, Baltimore, Mm -hmm. San Mm -hmm. Francisco, and Cleveland. But what I'm seeing now is a whole new thing with people selling their children for these opioids or combining the fentanyl with different types of, and they're dying with the needles in their arm. And the children running out in the street, the parents are dead at home. So it's like, it's like some kind of horror scene. And we get them we get the patients in the hospital and they have serious disease, serious, serious disease, infections, heart infections and stuff from shooting up. And they will not stay in the hospital and get treated. They come in, they'll be there a couple of days, maybe a week or two, and then they're bolting out. And they come back in and their heart valves are destroyed or whatever. Ugh. But the draw of the drug is so great. It's powerful. It's powerful that they ca- they they cannot grasp the seriousness of the illness that they have. It's just getting that next high. Mm. So good for them for having to pay. Because these little babies and children that are grandmothers are now raising their I children. Know. Raising their grandchildren. I know, it's terrible. Because the other kid, the, I, I think about myself. I have friends that are raising grandchildren. They're my age. I can't imagine <sighs> going to baseball games again. I mean, swimming meets and all that. <laughs> you know, doing some algebra. I know. And I'm sure these parent, these grandparents had, and some of them had great plans for retirement. There was there's stories about plans oh, for retirement. And then their kids get locked up in the drugs and then overdose. And now they're responsible for not one, but maybe two, three, or four kids. I know. They got it's sad. Raise. It's sad. You know, that's very the sad. The epidemic is real. It is. People do not understand. I see it with my own it's eyes. Real. The struggle is real. Big time. The struggle is real. I know your husband sees it too oh, from big a time. kidney standpoint. Oh, yeah. Shut down. Shut down. Mm-hmm. You know, and, and these people are dying. They, they're dying with the needle. The, the stuff is so, they're using an elephant tranquilizer now that they are hooking onto some drugs mm. and injecting that. Mm. It's just whatever this feeling is to get to the next high, to get to that next high and get to that next high and then death.
Yeah, and then some of them be raised from the dead right. and be mad. And then there's a controversy. Like, no, you were dead. Then there's a controversy. Where was I? I was someplace. With the Narcan. The regular people are carrying Narcan around. Because mm-hmm. you might come upon somebody who needs it. And then the controversy of, do we go back to the same person three times in one right. day and give them Narcan? So all kinds of ethical issues are coming up. Who do you save? You just can't say, well, just let them die. These emergency personnel people are struggling with, they get a call three times in a day for the somebody's OD on the same person. And the thought is, well, should we give them Narcan or not? Well, you can't withhold something that you have, but it's, it's a serious ethical issue. So it's opened up a whole new area. I think $500 million is petty cash for some of these know, people I anyway. Know. Big time. Petty cash. And they're going to appeal it anyway. So the people are not going to get their money for about 10 years. Mm. You know, the appeals will go on I for know, years forever and, years, and forever. ever. Right. And the people that are going to benefit are the lawyers. I know. I'm sure they're not going to wait for their money. Mm-mm. <laughs> Pay me now. Right. My billable hours right now. I mean, my price is 2.5 million. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> Exactly. Thought you knew. Exactly. I thought you knew. Yeah, I know. Yeah. But so yeah, no, I'm you, glad you brought this article up. Yeah, but when you think about it, yeah, it's just it's just heart wrenching. It right? is. It is. The little so, children is what kill what kills right. the little and so kids. with that said, that's why the state of Ohio, mm-hmm. DeWine and all them, mm-hmm. they put their monies together and they're doing these wellness yeah. programs. Yes. They said, Look, we gotta start in the school. Yeah. They got what is called hope. Mm-hmm. It's a curriculum, but it's it's talking yeah. about getting a hold of this wellness uh-huh. and, and try to attack the drug problem mm-hmm. all of that right early in school you got to start there yeah right. and a lot of these children like you said they're going through trauma at home right. because of that mm-hmm. yeah. so to be able to the teacher's able to spot that and see what's yeah, going how, on how, how do you study when your mom and dad are shooting up right you have no food and you got to worry about your mom coming home and your mom being dead on the couch you right. have no food nothing to eat how do you study i know can't study uh-uh we would talk about the Amazon fires. You know, this is a what topic that's kind of near and dear to me, and I'll tell you why as I talk about this a little bit. So mm-hmm. for the past weeks, international news has been full of reports about fires burning in the Amazon rainforest and the potential irreparable harm being done to our biodiversity. But how harmful are the fires? Many stories have raised alarms about the fires, noting that the region is called the lungs of the earth and that the region produces up to Earth's oxygen. But that number is misleading, according to Daniel Nepstead, who's a PhD president and founder of the Earth Innovation Institute, a San Francisco-based organization that focuses on reducing tropical deforestation and stabilizing the climate. The role of the Amazon forest as a supplier of oxygen is overstated. He said it's probably closer to neutral since most, if not all, the oxygen it produces is consumed by respiration. So that isn't to say that the fires haven't caused some environmental health problems, a lot of smoke, you see a lot of destruction, a lot of people are having respiratory ailments in the air. Nebstead has been following the issue of respiratory ailments related to Amazonian fires for several decades. And in 2004, he and a colleague estimated that the cost of treating respiratory ailments related to the fires anywhere from 1.7 million to 7.4. One of the reasons that this topic is near and dear to me is that when I go and talk about certain topics and infectious diseases, I always talk about how man has done something to destroy the rainforest. Mm. Here we have fires destroying the rainforest. Mm. Man has destroyed the rainforest, cutting down. You can't even find mahogany wood now. Mm. They've gone in and oh, destroyed it. They've destroyed it. They've made you know room for you know pushed all the am- the indigenous population mm. people out back whatever. Why is this important from an infectious disease standpoint? Mm. Well, in the rainforest, you have animals that have lived way back there with bacteria that have lived in a, and viruses, probably more viruses, in a symbiotic relationship with the animal. Mm. Okay? So you have a monkey or some weird animal back in the Amazon, and they've got some virus that we've never heard of or never seen, mm. and it's not bothering the monkey or whatever. Mm-hmm. Now the rainforests are destroyed. <sighs> These animals are now starting to come out into the human population and bringing with them these viruses that we've never seen. So how did we get, like, there are a lot of these hemorrhagic viruses now. Mm -hmm. They stemmed from, some of them, from the destruction of the rainforest, bringing out viruses that we've never seen and introducing them into the population where now Mm -hmm. they didn't do anything to the monkeys, but now they're killing people. Right. 
they're killing people. I mean, that was originally one of the reasons, one of the thoughts about HIV, although we know now that the macaque monkey, and I don't think that that wasn't a big Amazon, but a lot of what we call these hemorrhagic, sort of something like Ebola, Ebola these yes, hemorrhagic yes, yes. viruses. So now what you have is, mm-hmm. it says mm-hmm. people might think that, for example, Brazil, people might think that it would just it's just a problem that's related to Brazil, where the Amazon forest mm-hmm. is. But it's Brazil's problem until some organism eventually mutates That's it. and we catch it. It's going to drive mass migration at some point and impact the economy. That nation itself is having all kinds of problems anyway. And so you introduce some virus that uh, nobody's ever seen is killing people. So it's not going to be just Brazil's problem. It's, it's going to be, be our, problem. our problem. Just like the, what was the one that was coming back down in South America where the kids were born with? The Zika. Zika. The Zika right. virus. So, so it's all about infectious diseases. So you tear these rainforests down, you're oh. talking about a whole whole new endeavor of potential bacteria and viruses and health problems. So that's my soapbox. I've been I talking know. about this for years. You Not have. so much about fires, but how man has destroyed the rainforest. Mm-hmm. We've, we've disrupted our ecology. Right. And that's how a lot of these, our health things have been turned upside down. Right. So it's been a soapbox of mine for a long time. Nobody's helping to. Uh, well, first of all, have you heard much on the news about this? Mm-mm. I think we've heard a lot about our president but not a lot about the amazon no it's not a big topic but it's it's on fire for real it is and this morning on facebook i saw there was some i guess one of them or two of them could speak english they had a whole group of the indigenous people standing there and they were just talking and pleading about you know they needed help and this that and the other so it's it's real it is real real. but you know it's interesting how we focus on what we want to focus on. i know our news media focuses on mark was talking about that when he was here mm-hmm. we focus on what we want to focus on that's it i don't see anybody focusing on the rainforest and the impact that that could have globally right globally that's, that's like really serious yeah. globally no we worried about some popeye's chicken I'm <laughs> <laughs> and the hour wait <laughs> i can't do it i can't even wait in line to buy stamps for an hour i mean no no no, no. Do it. and so that goes to our next one yes. what the hell are we doing <laughs> eating well i will chicken. allow you that miss vicky <laughs> <laughs> now of all the, it. of all the talking we've been doing with y'all people and us folk it's hopeless and y'all in the chicken line <laughs> Come on now. I don't know what to say. Now, we've been talking health and fitness. It's gone nowhere. And and getting the DASH diet. Falling on deaf ears. And you in the chicken line. I can't. I I don't get it. You in the chicken line, folks. Waiting an hour. Wait. (laughs) I don't get it. Get out of the chicken line. I just don't get it. (laughs) What do you have down here? Two grams of sodium? Yeah, well. Or a chicken sandwich? A chicken sandwich has. 2000 so 2120 so that's 2000. well over your allotted daily amount you want to do no more than 2500 milligrams right that's a whole and day that's a whole day right. this is in you one sandwich in one sa- <laughs> sandwich sandwich <laughs> <laughs> and here's the key too if you're living a heart healthy diet you want to be 1500 milligrams of sodium or less right. in a day mm-hmm. right i try to do that we ain't, that's the sandwich. That's the sandwich. We ain't even talking about the fries that go with it, <laughs> the so, the sodium in the pop just, and all. I, I just, I just. So you standing in line for an hour, for an hour, and it's our folk, and you know, we, we high on the list for hypertension. Obesity. And all that. Heart disease. Yeah. Kidney disease. All that. But we standing in the line. For an hour. For our chicken. <laughs> our chicken sandwich. I heard about it after I got back from vacay, because I guess... <laughs> I, I heard about it. Yeah. It was the same way over in Pennsylvania. The line was in oh, Pennsylvania. Was yeah. It was uh, our people waited in that line an hour. Look, don't be bamboozled, please. I don't get it. Because you're not benefiting. You're not benefiting Somebody's at all. benefiting, but you're not the one that's benefiting. You're not the one. That's the key. So yeah. move on. Keep it moving. Keep it moving. Change today. <laughs> <laughs> you make the change. Yeah, I don't get Make it. the change. I don't get it. 
Well, we always talk about our health tips, so we better move on. Yeah. So our health tip is, let's talk about the benefits of yoga. Because I love yoga because it helps us in our relaxation from stress. And it has been proven over and over again to have some health benefits. You can look on our website, Vicky Doe Fitness, and this was written by Health Day News, and it's the benefits of yoga. So the ancient practice of yoga can provide a retreat from the chaos of life, says Harvard Medical School. Yoga's goal is to challenge yourself physically without feeling overwhelmed. The practice has been noted to provide both mental and physical benefits. These benefits include, number one, a better body image. Number two, mindful eating habits. Number three, reduce tension, stress, and anxiety. Number four, increase physical fitness. And last but not least, if you have any health concerns about your ability to practice yoga, check with your doctor before starting a program. And nowadays, they have so many yoga studios Mm -hmm. now that you can go to. Mm -hmm. You can practice some of these on apps. Uh But we always tell folks to definitely take precautions because you don't want to strain yourself and get injuries as well. Right. Take your time. Practice and do it modification as well. Right. You want to modify the movements. Right. So if you can't reach all the way down on some of the poses, you can modify. Yeah. Yes. Yeah, they always have mod- the modifying poses that you can do. Yes. Mm-hmm. So what's the latest, D? No, nothing new on Ebola. Hopefully next week I'll have some new stuff, but nothing, nothing new that I want to report. But what is new, which is another continuing topic of mine, most high-risk men don't take PrEP to prevent HIV. Mm. Another one of my soapboxes. Mm-hmm. In a survey... Only one in three American men who were high risk for HIV took Truvada to prevent transmission. Now, folks, this is a pill that could potentially revolutionize this disease to where you don't have to have any new HIV infections. Among men who are at high risk for HIV, only about one in three is taking the drug. The drug is called Truvada. It's taken once a day. It's a pre-exposure prophylaxis medication. It's not if you already have the disease. For the report published in Morbidity Mortality Weekly Report, the CDC researchers studied 7,873 high-risk men Mm -hmm. from 20 American cities who were negative for HIV and completed a behavioral survey in 2014 or 2017. Mm -hmm. Those considered at high risk either had a partner who was HIV positive or had at least two male sex partners in the past year, and they reported having anal sex without a condom or an STD, syphilis, gonorrhea, or chlamydia, in the past year. Among the men in the survey, PrEP use rose steeply from 2014 to 2017 from 6 to 35%, but PrEP use varied by race, with 42% of high-risk white men taking the drug, 30% of Hispanic men, and only 26% of black men. Other reports have found lower rates, lower PrEP use rates with about 270,000 of the estimated 1 million Americans at risk. So in February, the Department of Health and Human Services announced a plan to end the HIV epidemic in the United States with the use of PrEP as the cornerstone for the initiative. Higher coverage is needed, especially among black and Hispanic men who have sex with men to end this epidemic in the United States by the year 2030. What do we need to do? Because nobody talks about prep well, around it's not, just it, right it, in and, here. And the poor patients, it's not even their fault. Their doctors don't even know about it. I think I told you last yes. year I was at a, I was going to do a talk on prep. Mm-hmm. So I went to the hospital and I was asking the people on the floor, these are nurses, intelligentsia, and doctors. And I said, how many of you have heard about prep? Crickets. What is that? So if they don't know, how do you mm. expect the people that are supposed to find? Because they're not coming to me. Right. These are not these are patients that are going to be seen by the primary care physicians or nurse practitioners. So the word has to get out to them. It has to to the, to the healthcare providers. Yes. To let them ask the question: Are you high risk, or to do some kind of survey? Because you know that's another thing. They're missing the opportunity of finding out who's high risk. Patients are not going to volunteer. Well, I have sex with about fifteen people. No. <laughs> 
You're not gonna volunteer that. No. <laughs> or that I'm 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 HIV negative and my partner is positive. They're not gonna mention their HIV status anyway, or to let them the doctor know that they're gay or bisexual or whatever. So questions need to be asked in a delicate way. I mean, there really needs to be more of a sensitivity training. I think so. Sensitivity or training just, to just healthcare providers. Ask you know how they ask about guns. Yes, and stuff? right. And domestic and violence. Violence. That, this prep thing. The 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 risk factors for needing prep should be part of that and it should thing. be an initiative because yeah. that's what happened with us exercise is medicine yeah well that was a whole initiative yeah to have the physicians right not just us the physicians when the person goes to to really talk about the importance of exercise exactly. and now with that initiative and it was really done and initiated by the mm-hmm. American College of Sports Medicine, mm-hmm. but the physicians within the college mm-hmm. to really band together and do that. And now when you go and do your physical, they always ask, yeah. are you doing physical activity? Right. How often are you eating? So that should probably be something too. Right. Right. Exactly. So that's, that's your, that's your initiative. Yeah. You got to start that. Yeah. I, I, and I, to, I want to be a part of yes. the actual, when you go yes. to the physician, right. the primary, right. Primary care doctors and then, you know, and nurse practitioners, but it's not just doctors that are taking care of people today. Okay. Yeah. It's the PAs and the nurse practitioners, okay. all of the above. Yeah. So, yeah. So, but I know you guys, you yes. work in diligence. Yes. Yes. Yeah. I'm working with the national medical association to make, to get the word out yeah. all, and the CDC too. The CDC is doing a great job in okay. ethnic related literature okay. to Hispanic and the black population to make them aware of prep. Right. Well, we have to do more. We got to do, do more. So you have another one on yeah, there, Yeah, one right? other one here. And oh, this happened to me when I was, I, and it's, it's a matter of public record now, this has happened when I was at Allegheny General Hospital in the early 2000s. Mm-hmm. In hospitals around the world, the snake-like duodenoscope is regarded as an indispensable tool for diagnosing and treating diseases of the pancreas and bile ducts. But these fiber optic devices have a drawback. Although they're inserted into the upper part of the small intestine through the mouth and constantly reused, they can't be sterilized by the usual methods. And so Mm. basically what we have here, and I'll just condense this article because I know all about this. There has been an outbreak in several institutions of a bacteria that is resistant to most of the antibiotics that we have. It's called carbapenem-resistant Enterobacteriaceae, and these mm. bacteria are found on the tips of these duodenoscopes. So what is a duodenoscope used for? So the procedure that it's used for is called ERCP, endoscopic retrograde cholangiopancreatography. So this procedure is used when you're trying to diagnose diseases of the pancreas or the gallbladder or the bile duct, mm. especially when somebody has a tumor mm. or jaundice or something like that. So the tube is inserted all the way down mm. into the you know bile ducts and so forth. But what happens is when they come out and they try to sterilize it at the tip where you know, the, the equipment for, mm-hmm. for looking and the biopsying and all of that, mm-hmm. you can't, the little nooks and crannies and mm-hmm. crevices, they can't get in there to get this bacteria. And even though they use some sterilization, the kind of sterilization that they need to get rid of this bacteria, they can't use because it would destroy the scope. And there's no disposable duodenoscopes. These things are thousands and thousands of dollars. The CDC and other government agencies are asking for these Olympic uh, medical system, Pentax, Fujifilm, and all of these to come up with new ways to sterilize these instruments. I mean, now they're very important in making diagnoses, but they're also causing, and they've been deaths. There was a Mm. hospital system where more than 30 patients in Seattle were infected with resistant strains Mm. of this carbapenem-resistant bacteria. Between 2012 and 2014, 11 died. Though many were critically ill, dozens mm. of patients at a Ridge Park, Illinois hospital were infected. Mm. In 2015, two patients died and five were sickened after being infected with a carbapenem-resistant enterobacteriaceae during procedures involving duodenoscopes at the Ronald Reagan. You, this is one of the top hospitals, Ronald Reagan Medical mm. Center in Los Angeles. So they're going to have to find a better way. They can't have a soak? No, because also the solutions that you need to kill this too, would destroy too, they're too okay. caustic for yeah. the instrument Corrosive so they can get a man on the moon they can figure I this know, out i know
But in order to figure it out, it might cost some money. We're going to have to they put might, some some of the grandma's portion. Oh, yeah. Some apple and, and cider. You know, or some, and it's going to make people rethink reading these kind of articles. You know, your doctor comes up to you and says, we need to do an ERCP. Well, it's going like, to make people uh, say, um, do you really need to do that? And especially if it comes up being a negative procedure. And now you got some bacteria oh. they can't get rid of. The, it, the other thing, it's not only just in duodenoscopes, bronchoscopes. I was involved in a situation like that. At, uh, let's just talk about University of Pittsburgh. Mm -hmm. In January, this past January, researchers at the University of Pittsburgh reported on a cluster of intensive care unit patients whose drug-resistant infections were all traced back to one bronchoscope. Mm. And that's going into the lungs. Ooh. So Ambu, a Danish company is already marketing a disposable bronchoscope. Okay. The company is also detecting. That's the other thing since I get colonoscopies all the time. But that's I it. worry about colonoscopies yes. being reused. I mean, those of us that are that's getting colonoscopies. I right there. <laughs> <laughs> you were waiting to say that. You <laughs> waiting all day to say that one. <laughs> it was right there, though. It was low-hanging fruit. <laughs> It was low-hanging fruit. <laughs> I'm done. And that's the end of that. I'm done. Oh, God. I'm done. That's funny. That was low-hanging fruit. You oh, my God. You had to say that. So, <laughs> so, so, in the end, in the end, <laughs> In the end, okay. they're going to need to come up with some new scope and to. new ways of sterilizing this equipment oh, to yes. prevent, for patient safety. Big time. Yeah, for patient safety. And today we talk about research articles and hot topics that we think are worth looking at and talking about. And our topic today is what's new, hot topics number 49. We're going to quickly go over a couple of more articles, but this one is very interesting because we talk about this all the time yeah. on how you can think of ways to cut down on your calorie intake. Uh -huh. And so this was written in the New York Times, cutting 300 calories a day shows health benefits. Mm -hmm. Calorie restriction led to weight loss lower cholesterol, and less inflammation. Whether it extends lifespan and wards off disease long-term remains unproven. And so it says, scientists have long known a fairly reliable way to extend lifespan to rodents and other lab animals, and that is to reduce the amount of calories they eat by 10% to 40%. This strategy known as caloric restriction has been shown to increase the lifespan of various organisms and reduce their rate of cancer and other age-related ailments. Whether it can do the same in people has been an open question, but an intriguing new study suggests that in young and middle-aged adults, chronically restricting their calorie intake can have an impact on their health. And so in the new study, which was funded by the National Institutes of Health and published this month in the Lancet Diabetes and Endocrinology, researchers looked at a group of 143 healthy men and women who ranged in age from 21 to 50. They were instructed to practice caloric restriction for two years. They could eat the foods they wanted so long as they cut back on the total amount of food they ate with the aim of cutting the calories they consumed by 25%. Now, many did not achieve that goal. On average, the dieters managed to slash about 12% of their total calories or roughly 300 calories a day. The amount in a large bagel, a few maybe chocolate chip cookies or a small Starbucks mocha cappuccino frappuccino yeah, but a lot of calories i know but the group saw many of their cardiovascular and metabolic health markers improve even though they were already in the normal range they lost weight and body fat their cholesterol levels improved their blood pressure fell slightly and they had better blood sugar control and less inflammation at the same time a control group of 75 healthy people 
who did not practice caloric restriction saw no improvements in any of these markers. Some of the benefits in the calorie-restricted group steamed from the fact that they lost a large amount of weight, on average about 16 pounds, over the two years of the study. But the extent to which their metabolic health got better was greater than would have been expected from weight loss alone, suggesting that caloric restriction might have some unique biological effects on disease pathways in the body. And this was said by the lead author of the study and a professor of medicine and cardiology at Duke University, William Cross. We weren't surprised that there were changes, he said, but the magnitude was rather astounding. In a disease population, there aren't five drugs in combination that would cause this aggregate of an improvement. Calorie restriction may be a useful tool for better health and weight loss, but it's unclear whether the changes in the new study will ultimately translate into longevity and reduction in chronic disease. And this was said by Frank Hu, the chairman of the nutrition department at the Harvard T.H. Chang School of Public Health. And this guy was not involved in the research, but he said, the modest improvements experienced by the participants would have to be sustained over time to produce long-term benefits, but he questioned whether caloric restriction would be practical, practical for most people, given that we are living in an obesogenic environment with an abundance of energy-dense, nutrition-poor foods that are cheap, accessible, and heavily marketed such as the that that damn chicken sandwich. <laughs> right. <laughs> so that's what he said. Well, the new study provided evidence of just how difficult calorie restrictions can be. The study participants went through an intensive training program where they learned to cook low-calorie meals, they attended group sessions, and had regular check-ins with nutrition experts. Still... They were not able to meet even half the goal of a 25% cut in calories. And as anyone who have dieted knows, keeping the weight off long term can be the hardest part. But here's the deal. Still, the new study was groundbreaking in several ways. It was funded, and if you notice, when we read these things, it keeps telling us about 50 times mm -hmm. who they were funded by. Right. But it was funded entirely by the NIH at a cost of $55 million, and it was called Calorie for Comprehensive Assessment of Long-Term Effects of Reducing Intake of Energy. It was the first major clinical trial to examine the effects of calorie restriction in a group of middle-aged or younger adults who were either normal weight or just slightly overweight but not obese. The goal of the trial was to look at whether caloric restriction could influence healthy aging and disease. While the calorie target that they set was steep, they did give the subjects more flexibility, allowing them to eat the foods that they wanted. What they found was that the subjects did not change their protein intake, but they did eat significantly less fat, and slightly fewer carbohydrates. They also consume more micronutrients like vitamins A, K, and magnesium, and indicating a big increase in fruits and vegetables. And this was said by Susan B. Roberts, who was a co-author of the study and a senior scientist at the USDA Human Nutrition Research Center on Aging at Tufts University. And so she said they were eating more healthy foods, things like nuts, whole grains, green vegetables, and legumes. Dr. Koss at Duke said he hoped that this study will tell us that mm -hmm. participants, again, in 10 years, mm -hmm. they want to do the study to see if the benefits of caloric restriction <coughs> experiment persist and the phenomena known as legacy effects which can occur with intense exercise training and other health interventions. But for now, he said, 
One takeaway from all of this is that people can benefit from shaving a little as 300 calories a day from their diets. Just take half of that pile off that plate. That's it. Eliminate one piece of chicken. Don't stand in the chicken line. <laughs> For an hour. For an hour. <laughs> so all that to say is, yeah, we can benefit. And yes, they said ultimately caloric restriction did have a beneficial impact on a wide range of risk factors for diabetes yeah, right. and heart disease. Right. Definitely. We, we talk about this all the time. So, yeah. you know, yeah, we don't know if it causes us to live longer, longer so right. to speak, but at least it will help lower your risk. It will. From diabetes and heart disease. Well, you add up 300 calories. A pound is what, 3,000 and some calories? Right. I mean, we're taking away 300. Three, that's about 3,500. Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah. So there you go. Just the benefits of that. So don't eat too much is what we're Bottom saying. Bottom line. That's it. Well, I want you to talk about our last yeah. one we doing. So, I, you know, I, I came across this because I've been a proponent of, there's all these, my mother, I think, <laughs> made a comment about, she can't turn the television on without seeing all these erectile dysfunction drugs for men. Mm. So the, the FDA has approved a new drug to treat low sexual drive in women, the mm. only one besides Addie, which entered the market in 2015. And this is a subject that is near and dear to me because postmenopausal women are the, uh, are the women who are kind of left out. You know, first of all, and when I give lectures, I talk about, especially with HIV and elderly women, which is a, a big topic. You know, nobody thinks that postmenopausal women have sex. Nobody cares. The doctors <laughs> certainly don't ask. Right. I mean, postmenopausal women are just sort of a forgotten group. Mm -hmm. So the drug, which is going to be called Valizi, Mm -hmm. will be sold by the AMAG Pharmaceuticals and is intended to be used 45 minutes before sex by way of an auto-injector pen that is administered in the thigh abdomen. Now, man just has to take a blue pill, but we got to get, we got to, we got to get a, we got to get an alcohol swab. <laughs> now, the mood has come about, uh -huh. the mood has come about. And you want to get that, you know, whatever. Now you got to go find an alcohol swab, swab your abdomen, and inject something into you. Okay, let's move 40 on. Min 45 minutes. 45 minutes ahead of time. All right, let's, I digress. Mm. Okay. We're obviously thrilled about being able to bring another option to patients, said Dr. Julie Kropp, the chief medical officer of AMAG, which is based in Waltham, Massachusetts. Mm -hmm. These women have suffered significantly, pretty much in silence, for a stigmatized condition, and many of them have not known that it's a treatable condition. For years, the FDA has been under pressure to encourage more treatments for women with low sex drive, a condition known as hypoactive sexual desire disorder, or it could be called PASS, but anyway. <laughs> Medications for men experiencing erectile dysfunction arrived on the market two decades ago. Wow. But these treatments for women have provoked controversy. Mm. The first product, Addy, was approved amid an industry-backed publicity campaign painting detractors as sexist. But some opponents argued its risk outweighed its benefits. Mm. Addy must be taken every day. It can't be taken with alcohol because it might make you faint. Oh, yeah, that's okay. risky. Yeah, that's risky. Pass on that one. That's pass, yeah. Soon after it went on sale, Addie was acquired by Valiant Pharmaceuticals for a billion dollars, which then failed to promote it. Valiant sold it back to its original owners in 2017, and the drug sales have been tepid. Mm. Company officials declined to say how much Valisi would cost. This is a new drug mm -hmm. and said they would provide more details when the product goes on sale this year. They said they expected insurance to cover it. Good mm -hmm. luck with that. I know. And to make male erectile dysfunction on a scale similar to that of Addy and to the male erectile dysfunction drugs, coverage of those drugs by commercial health plans is mixed. So some may cover, some might not cover. Mm. The company which manufactures other products for women's health estimates that nearly 6 million American premenopausal women suffer from low sex drive, a condition that goes untreated. The company said that the market could translate into about 35 million a year for every 1% of affected patients who use their product. So Valisi, also known as bromelotide, has some advantages over Addy. It is to be used only before sex and can be taken with alcohol, but the drug also has drawbacks. Mm -hmm. It's a needle injection, mm -hmm. and in clinical trials, 40% of people experience nausea. Oh, swell. Uh, I know. In all, 18% of women dropped out of the trial, including 8% who stopped because of nausea. That's, that's almost 10%. I know, but in nausea? Addition, right, really? In addition, about 1% of patients mm. who took Valacy reported darkening of their gums and part of their skin. 
which did not go away, and half of those people after they stopped the treatment. People with high blood pressure who have cardiovascular disease or those at risk for cardiovascular disease can't take the drug. Dark gums, really, and on parts of your skin, you're going to be spotted. Okay. The drug was shown <laughs> to improve women's self-reported feelings of desire and lowered mm. their stress after having sex, but it did not increase the number of sexually satisfying events they had in, in a statistically. So you're going to go through all that. Because it depends that. on the man. Exactly. For your, for they, exactly. <laughs> I mean. It depends on the man, we need too. To, we, need to, we need to tease out this article. So Dr. Kropp, who was the, the AMAG person, said the FDA no longer re- requires companies that test drugs for low female libido to count the amount of sex women have as a primary value well how about evaluating the man but that's what i said you know because a lot of times but go ahead and finish that's because he said women with low sex drive continue to have sex with partners they just don't enjoy it they're oftentimes having mercy or duty sex because they want to maintain the relationship and the problem is they're distressed about having that sex that they're having some industry critics question whether valise was the latest example of a company promoting a pharmaceutical solution mm. for something that in reality is far more complex I think like it's you said Far more complex. So I think you should make your comment. I think it's far more complex because a lot of times with that said, they trying to give something for libido. Half the time for women when it comes to libido, it could be a lot of things. They're upset with the man. Right. They've been in this relationship. Right. That they feel stuck. Right. All of that affects the sex. They're tired. They're tired. He wants it. She doesn't. It's a lot it's more a than lot that. It's a lot way complex. It's way complex. The kids have gotten on your last nerve, and the right. last thing you, oh, the b- first thing you want is a good night's sleep, not somebody tapping uh, on your back. back. <laughs> <laughs> or pulling on you at 4 o'clock in the morning. 4 o'clock in the morning. It's way more complex. It's way more complex. So just to say that a woman has a low sex drive yes, it's, it's yes. multifactorial. Big time. Or it's she just not, she might not be into him. Period. <laughs> That's it. Right. So it's, it's, a, it's a lot of, I think it's a lot of psychological right. stuff Very much as well. So. Yeah. Also, something that both people, the man and the woman, they need to talk about. Exactly. Because I, a lot of conversation I, needs to don't come you up think, about sex. Yeah. Because I, I think that if, if couples talk more about the whole sex thing. Yep. We won't be trying to worry about pills, pills. unless it's a physical thing. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. Uh-huh. And I'm not hearing that from these. No, this, they just want to give something. Right. Yeah. With all these doggone side effects, how did the FDA let something like that pass anyway? I just think that's terrible, which is another thing that women on the low. Because it's women. Do you think women. a man would take something like that? No. Heck no. Do you think a man would take a needle? There'd be a lot yeah, less sex. <laughs> <laughs> if a man had to take a needle before he had some sex, Forget they won't it. even take medicine for high blood pressure. I know. No, you're going to tell them, well, 45 minutes before you have, you got to go and get an alcohol swab, wipe off your abdomen, and inject something. No. Like, uh, no. No. No, that wouldn't work. Mm-mm. Or it's going to darken your gums. No. Or you can't have it with alcohol. Yeah. You might faint. Pass. Pass. There'll be a lot of passing. <laughs> There'd be a lot of passing on both sides. Thank you. They better think that through. They really need to think that through. Don't you think? Yeah. Oh, that's crazy. Yeah. We can't solve everything in one episode. We can't. No, we cannot. No, we cannot. (laughs) No. Y'all need to go back to the drawing board with that one. Thank you. Thank Thank you. you. (laughs) No. Mm Well, Dee, this is our show, so you have any tips? Well, I just, you know, I think other than a lot of the stuff that we talked about today, your article about very simplistic, cutting back, cutting 300 calories. Yeah. Simplistic. Start with that. Simple as that. Mm -hmm. Simple as that. Look at what you eat and cut back on 300 calories. I think easy to do. It's not like we're asking you to run a marathon. Right. Some may just cut back on 300 calories a day. There you go. And with that, you are... Instead of worrying about the longevity, with you cutting back on your calories, you are decreasing your risk factor for the things that kill you. Exactly. Diabetes, heart disease, stroke. Exactly. And so that will increase at least your quality of life. Exactly. And as always, for more information, go to our website, www.vikidofitness.com. And remember, if you have any questions, comments, or just something to say, tweet us, email us. Go on Facebook and share with us your thoughts. And stay out that chicken line. <laughs> You've been listening to It's All About Health and Fitness with Dr. Vicki Hayward-Doe and Dr. Virginia Banks-Bright. 
Vicky Doe is owner of Vicky Doe Fitness, a multimedia health and wellness forum, a place to discuss, learn, and participate in healthy living. You can get in touch with Vicky by email at info at vickydoefitness.com.